morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to those who it applies to. We are so glad you're here this morning to worship with us. Let's stand together and sing. The amazing grace of God.
we worship you today, Father. You are the great I am. There are no other gods but you, and we worship you today. You are holy. You are welcome in this place. We turn our attention to you, Father God. You are our God. And I thank you, Father, for holding us in the middle of our storm, for fighting our battles for us. We sing praises to you. Amen? We're singing for you, Jesus. Continue singing. You may be seated or remain standing. Whatever you're more comfortable doing, we want you to be in a position of worship.
truly your testimony today, just say amen. amen. It is a declaration of reality. More so than, than a statement of faith. It's, it's a declaration of, of truth, of, of, of reality, of, of experience. His faithfulness continues. His faithfulness endures. It's simply what we experience. Amen? What an amazing God that we get to have a relationship with. Today's Mother's Day. We have a gift for the ladies in this room. So if you are the female persuasion and you are 18 or over, we'd love for you to stand up right now. And our kids, the kids in this room are going to come up. Come on, kids. Come on up. And you're going to grab some roses here. And we want to hand these out to the moms. Now, as you're pulling these out, be careful because those of us from the 80s know every rose has its thorns. And if you'll go find a lady that's standing up and hand her a rose and tell her Happy Mother's Day or just Happy Ladies' Day, if you want to say it that way, when you receive a rose, if you'll take a seat just so that we can make sure everybody has received one. Thank you, kids. Go get out. There you go. Take some of these. You can take some of these right here and hand them out. Thank you. Go take a group. Thanks, go Should have plenty. Yep. Oh, she's just gonna handle. She just wants them. We have lots more kids, so if you go, Kaylee, grab a whole bunch there. Whoa. Looks like we're going to have enough. Find a lady that's standing up back there. Hey, kids, if you want to, uh, do you have offering that you wanted to put in the offering bucket? Please do that on your way out. You guys did so good. You want to come back in the water? That's fine, yeah. Don't we love having our kids in here with us? Ministering, worshiping with us.
hey, I want to um, show you something really cool. We're doing our best to move into the digital age. We're only about 20 years behind on this, I think. Um, most of us that have grown up in the church, our, our giving uh, normal is bring a check, right, with you. But the, the truth is, uh, uh, even about most of us is, you know, we, we don't carry checks with us anymore or even cash. I, 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 I carry a card, and, and that's how I do all of my financial stuff anymore. So my tithe check is one of the very few checks that, that I ever write. Um, I still have that in my pocket here today. But I wanted you to know that we've, we've added some electronic giving options, and they, and they finally are uh, live this morning. So if you pull up that screen, Doug, just kind of show us some of the options. Um, you can access on our church website. For, so for those of you that are uh, uh, accessing us today through streaming or live stream, um, you, you can access uh, electronic giving option right there on the website. You can even uh, set up your phone to text at 84321, and it'll walk you through a process if, if you would like to try the text to give. Uh, I downloaded the church app, so maybe that's something you would like to do. And I'm pulling up the app right here. It's called Church Center. So if you, you're an app person and you want to access the app store, you're going to want to look up Church Center. And uh, I've downloaded that, and I'm clicking on the give option here, and I'm typing in my amount, and next, and I've already um, put in my credit card information, and so it says next, and let's see, well, I hope that this um, works for me, and I'm going to assume that it's working for me. Um, it even has an option down here to cover the 78 cents of processing fee or whatever that amount is. So gives you the option of doing that. But um, we, we're, we're implementing this because um, most of us are kind of in a digital mindset. So maybe you'd like to join us on that. Feel free to access that. Um, that will be constantly made available next Sunday. Uh, we're going to show our new website because we've been doing a, a complete redesign on our website. Uh, we'll be making that available starting this week, so we'll show that off and, and, uh, and even maybe walk through some of the giving on the website. We just wanted to make you aware of some of these upgrades that are happening um, for our church family here, okay? And with that, I'd love to ask the ushers to join me up front we can continue our worship through our giving. Thank you all for your continued faithfulness in your giving and support of Woodland Life Center and its ministries. I really think what we're doing is very effective for the kingdom. Jesus, thank you for being our constant provider, the provision that has come for our family units and for our church family as a whole. Take what we have to offer you today, use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name, amen.
while we're doing that, let me just uh, bring one more announcement to you. So our, our Ethiopia trip is coming up in just a little over a month, um, the end of June. And uh, we're already collecting items that we'd like to stuff into suitcases and take over um, to the folks in the Gambella area. Uh, we will be sending out an e-blast this week with a pretty detailed list of things. You can also, as you're, as you're on your way out today, you'll see um, a, a station set up right outside the Welcome Center um, that explains some of the items we're trying to collect, um, things like bottles of Tylenol and toothbrushes and just basic essential things that are very common for us to be able to get our hands on, but they don't have easy access to stuff like that. So when our team goes over there, um, you know, we'd like to be able to minister to them, not just to their spiritual needs, but to their physical needs as well, is, is what our hopes are. And so we'd love to represent you that way. So um, again, we'll be bringing more and more and more updated information for you like that. I've been also asked, um, well, if, you'd like, if somebody would like to support the trip financially, of course you can do that. Um, simply on, on a check, if you're going to write a check, um, just, just make a note on the memo line for Ethiopia, or if you're going to do the e-giving, I think there's a way to, you can click other, and you can designate for Ethiopia, and we'll make sure that those funds are diverted towards, um, as, uh, towards the Ethiopia trip, heading in just a little over a month. So, and, and of course, pray for us. I mean, Taking a group of people from America uh, into uh, a country like Ethiopia, into the area where we're going, there's risk, of course, and we need to be bathed in prayer. Um, we need your prayer coverage desperately on that. Well, we've been walking through uh, the Bible as best as we can so far this year, <clears throat> and the last couple of weeks, we... We're looking at the story of, of David and, and then the story uh, following that story of Solomon. And King David and King Solomon are responsible for uh, a good amount of writing in, in the Old Testament um, with the Psalms and with Proverbs and Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Um, th these, are, these are some of the books of the Bible that we refer to as the wisdom literature. And we want to spend a few weeks inside of the wisdom literature, and we want to be inside of Psalms today. Now, when you, when you um, read Psalms, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of important to know it, their distinction, maybe from most of the rest of Scripture. For instance, most of what we've been reading through in these past few months has been narrative, uh, story. You know, it, it's, it's got a chronological order to it, and one story follows the next, follows, and there's a timeline. Well, when you, when you get into Psalms, there, there really is no timeline. What we're getting into is poetry. We're getting into a different form of literature. And, and so when you, when you have that framework, that understanding, um, you, you, you can better dig into or better understand and comprehend what you're reading. So, for instance, let's, let's talk about maybe the most famous psalm, Psalm 23. It goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, David is writing this psalm, and he starts out by saying he, the, that God is his shepherd. 
Well, let's see. Is David actually a sheep? Of course not. David's not actually a sheep. So there's, there's um, figurative language that's happening. There's, there's a, a picture that he's trying to paint. Now, we can understand that David, who was a shepherd, understanding the context of David's life, you can imagine him sitting out in the fields um, as he's watching over his father's sheep. And as he's doing this and he's thinking about all the different responsibilities that he has as a shepherd and being the, the kind of guy he is where he's a man after God's own heart, he's in this constant state of worship with, with God and he's, and he's got this job and he's paying attention to what's happening out here and he's paying attention to what's happening here and he starts to realize, man, God... God oversees me like I'm overseeing them. God is watching over me like I'm watching over them. He's, he's like my shepherd. See, when I start preaching, Emerson gets blessed. He just, he, he loves it. He gets blessed. Um, he's overseeing me like I'm overseeing them. And he's like my shepherd. And, and because of that, I'll... I, I, I'll I'm never in need. He's, he's, he's providing for me. And, and, and he, you know, he leads me beside still waters. Like he, he causes me to lay down in green pastures. And he goes on to say things like he restores my soul. Even, even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my shepherd is with me. See, can you see, understand that there, there's this amazing language that's coming through the Psalms. So when, when we read through the Psalms, it's important to engage our imagination. It's really important to approach the Psalms with the ability to imagine and to visualize and to, and to wrap ourselves around the imagery, the, the, the pictures that are being painted through this, this poetry. So let's look at one for today that, that, that I think we'll, we'll find connects with a day like today, like a Mother's Day. And I think we'll see this. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. It's the same writer, David. David writes most of the Psalms, but not all of them, okay? Just, just be aware of that. <clears throat> but this one is of David as well. And he starts this psalm by saying this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I'll stop there for a moment. Does that sound familiar? Why does that sound familiar? Because Jesus said it on the cross. Okay, that's exactly right. Jesus says these exact words on the cross. So, as we're approaching this psalm and, you, and you're realizing that these are the exact words that Jesus said on the cross, I think it's important for us to engage our, uh, our imaginations and, and, and we have Jesus on the cross. We have that image. We have that, that whole scene, okay, 
the whole crucifixion scene on our minds. We know that David wrote this, and he wrote this many, 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 many years before Jesus was walking this earth and before he was hung up on this cross. So we have a couple of different layers right off the top. We understand we're we're engaging a couple of different layers with a psalm like this. So as we open up our imaginations, we're thinking about David's experience, and we're thinking about Jesus' experience, and we're trying to do that all at the same time. Now, I wish I could tell you the exact context of David's experience. The truth is we don't really know out of what situation David writes this particular psalm. We know that David had a lot of strife, a lot of struggle before he got to the throne and even after he got to the throne. There were years when he was being pursued by King Saul, the, the king that was in, on the throne before David. And when, when it was um, prescribed that, that Saul was going to lose the throne and David was going to take over, Saul began to pursue him and David went on the run. So there's a long time where David's on the run, he's being hunted, he's in hiding, he's feeling like he's surrounded, like he's being ganged up on. It very well could be that as we read through this, this particular psalm is written during that time frame. But listen, after David took the throne and really messed up like you looked at a couple of weeks ago, and strife started happening in his family, there's even a time frame where David, as the king, has to go on the run from his son Absalom, who who's has his men pursuing him. So, you know, we, we could be in, inside of either context. We're, we don't honestly know. But I think we can engage our imaginations as, we, as we're tracking David's struggle and then we're tracking Jesus' struggle all at the same time. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. He's referencing the Exodus story, probably. So he's like, you, you, this is who you are. This is what you've done before. Where did you go? Why, why aren't you answering me? Have you ever had this kind of trial in your life or you're crying out and you feel like there's just no response, no answer, there's silence. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me, They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. And can you you remember what the people around Jesus, what they were saying to him? 
these exact words. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. For from birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. These were, you know, huge animals. Roaring lions that, that tear their prey, opening their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and, and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. But you, Lord, man, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. And then he turns a corner here. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. For you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly before those who fear you. I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down in the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Or I could even hear the words, it is finished. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing song. David is, is, is experiencing something very traumatic here. Feeling like, like he's surrounded by the enemy, that he's being mocked and, and ridiculed. He's got all this descriptive energy about his suffering that's happening. Even though we know that exact suffering is not happening to David, he's, he's, he's in a habit of painting these, 
these wild images describing the emotional trauma, the, the, the struggle that, that's happening for him. Yet in the midst of, of this amazing imagery, the prophetic comes not just kind of through, but like dead center target for what exactly happens to Jesus, his hands and his feet being pierced. The fact that, that his enemies, the ones that put him on the cross, are standing there mocking him, ridiculing him, telling him, well, if you really are the son of God, why don't you call on angels and have them come and help you and climb down off that cross? Then we'll believe in you. That kind of, these are the kinds of words that are being hurled at him. And what do they do when they strip him down? They cast lots for his clothing. At one point, it says that somebody runs off to get a sponge and soaks a sponge in it to lift it up to his mouth because of how dry his mouth was. Now, all this imagery is floating through this psalm. <coughs> this psalm that, that all the Jews would know very, very, very well. And they would also know that this particular passage, this particular part of the psalm was, was considered uh, messianic, um, that, that it was, it was, it was a, a part that they looked to to help um, describe the suffering servant the suffering that was going to happen. Now, I, I remind us, when, when, when the Jews were expecting Messiah, they, there, there was so much Im imagery, not just of the suffering like what we see in here in this particular psalm, but lots of imagery about the kingship of Messiah, that, that the, the truth about their understanding of who Messiah was, they, they were torn about it. In fact, most of them believed that there were going to be two distinct people that were going to show up in, in these two distinct messianic roles. That there was, there was really no way that um, whoever the kingly Messiah was going to be could also be the suffering servant. They, they couldn't bring these two things together. So, so there was an assumption, really, by most of them, by most of the scholars, that it was going to be two distinct individuals. Now, I personally believe that this explains John the Baptist's question, because if you, if you um, know the story of John the Baptist at, at any level, you'll know that there was this one point in time where he sends one of his disciples to Jesus and asks the question, are you the one to come or will there be another? Now, those of us that are non-Jewish, we could really misunderstand that whole picture. And it looks like John is doubting that Jesus is who he had already declared Jesus to be. Go to John chapter 1, and you will see very clearly and distinctly, John the Baptist says, there he goes, the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. He has made a very clear declaration that Jesus is going to be the suffering servant. But later on, he sends a disciple to ask this question. Are you the one to come or will there be another? 
which we might think, well, are you the Messiah or should we be looking for someone else? But church, I, I, I believe this firmly. He's talking about this conundrum. Are you the one to come? He's already declared him as a suffering servant. Are you the one to come? In other words, are you going to pull it all off somehow? Or should we expect someone else as well? And Jesus' answer seems to clarify that because when Jesus answers John, he says nothing about the suffering at all. Instead, he speaks all to the kingly things that are going to happen. I'm covering it all, Jesus says. And John doesn't raise the question again. That's all he wanted to know. This psalm, as we can see, speaks very poignantly to the suffering aspect. I, I just, I love that, that, it's, that it's David that is the one writing this because the kingly aspect of Messiah is coming directly through the lineage of David. In fact, the two names of these two different messiahs that they were looking for was Messiah ben Joseph, so Messiah in the line of Joseph, and this is not Joseph, Jesus' dad. This is Joseph, the one that suffered at the, at, at the hands of the Egyptians that ultimately led them into bondage. It's that suffering, all that suffering that happened with that Joseph, that's, that's the suffering. So they, would, they named him in that. But then the, the Messiah of, of the kingship is Messiah ben David. Messiah in the line of David and the, 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 the kingship of David. Because again, the, the kingship of David and Solomon, we're talking about the peak of, of Judaism. You can see all the stuff that we've been covering over the last few months is tracking, it's just head, all of it's heading right towards the work of Messiah. And even the Psalms that, that David is writing is, is reflecting this. He's, he's reflecting all the suffering aspect but here he is, he's the one that the whole kingly aspect is coming through. I mean, this is, this is amazing to me, just deep. In the midst of all of this, there's a couple of verses in here that just highlight for us today. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. In the midst of all of this suffering imagery, this imagery of the nurturing mother comes right in the heart of this. David understands something about his relationship with Yahweh, with God. That there's, there's not just kingly stuff happening here. And there's not just redemptive suffering servant stuff happening here, but there's also this nurturing thing that, that God wants to have with us. This, this relationship like mother and baby like mother and newborn, 
when you're, when you're engaging the, the imagination, there's really no more comforting place than being cuddled up in a blanket in your mother's arms. I, 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 I don't know that I could conjure up a more comforting place in my mind than that. In the midst of all this trauma, David's like, this, is, this has been me and you all along. This has been me and you from day one. And I have needed you. I have needed your nearness. I have needed your provision. I have needed your nurturing. I know when we read the Psalms and we think about Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It can be such a dramatic conundrum. I mean, how can God turn his face away from his one and only son who did everything perfectly? There's a lot of theological things, I think, that flow out of out of this picture, we, 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 we tend to derive a lot of ideas from it, thinking that God can't be in the presence of sin and, and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. Maybe, maybe God did have to turn his face away from his son. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not sold on that idea. And I'm not sold on that, on that idea because... One, I know that God can be in the presence of sin. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on this planet. And he wouldn't have been able to come near any of us, drawing us into relationship with him. It's just logic. And we have plenty of scriptural evidence. I mean, we have a conversation between Satan and God himself, where Satan comes into the presence of God, and they're talking about Job. Pretty sure if God couldn't be in the presence of sin, Satan ain't going to get anywhere near him, okay? Pretty sure that logic seems to work pretty simply in my mind. So I think we can kind of let go of that whole concept. So why is Jesus crying this out? Maybe our perception of this, of this picture is wrong because maybe all along we, we were envisioning Jesus like this with his eyes turned upward to the sky crying it out. But what if Jesus' eyes are actually turned down to those that are around him? And when he's declaring, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not crying out to them. It's simply saying, Psalm 22. Psalm 22. It's happening right now. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you're saying. Look at what's happening in this picture. I'm just telling you right now. The messianic things that you've been looking at, that you've been studying, that you have been pouring over 
all your lives that you've invested all of your scholarly input into, just so you know. And by the way, the end of the psalm, which has really, it's not reflecting any of the suffering piece, but what it does is it say, by the way, the end result of this, deliverance. Deliverance for the world. Deliverance for those that haven't even been born yet. That there will be generations following you that will come to belief because, because of what's happening in the first half of this psalm. This isn't a, the end, folks. This is the beginning. And then what is the last words? <laughs> it is finished. I, I'm I mean, I'm telling you, with all of the confident energy that I have within me, this it's what makes sense to me. That in his dying breath, his last words, he's teaching one more time, just letting the scripture pour out. This will make sense because by calling out the first line of a passage, that's how they would declare uh, what passage they're going to teach out of. Because they didn't have things lined up the way we have with verse and chapter so saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's basically the exact same as when I said, let's turn to Psalm 22. That's exactly how they will call out the passage that they're going to read from. It's exactly how they would say it. And I think somehow David, in the midst of whatever he was going through, the heart cry that's coming forth from him and, and his and, 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 and being a man after God's own heart and this, having this nurturing relationship with, with, with God the Father throughout his lifetime, whatever was happening in this moment as he begins to pour this psalm out, <coughs> there's a, a prophetic thing that is coming through him that, that only God himself could have could have been pouring into David's heart and mind. And as he's writing it out, he's, he's bringing exact description about what's going to happen generations, 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 generations later inside of a, a, a scenario that, that a crucifixion was, was nothing that, that David would have ever experienced. but something that many, many generations later is going to be a normal thing that's happening day in and day out, a regular way of torture and death. See, we celebrate God's kingship, his kingship in our lives, and we should. He deserves that praise. We honor him, for his suffering, which is right to do. And he deserves that honor because without his suffering, we have no salvation. We have no ability to reconnect with our creator. But I wonder how much we pay attention to the nurturing aspect of who God is and who God wants to be for us. Do we allow him to minister to, to our realities, to our pain, to our um, 
experiences in such a way where we feel comfortable just sort of crawling up into his lap and allowing ourselves to just be held in his arms? Or are we too adultish, too prideful, too, I'm beyond that. I'm, I, I cut myself loose from, I'm a man now, I don't need that anymore. Kind of, you know? Because in the midst of David's journey here, this thing surfaces, this beautiful imagery of the nurturing peace. I believe that what this helps David do, because even though he's, he's in the midst of this hard thing, and he's like, why, have you for, why, have, why aren't you answering me? And, and he's in this place where he doesn't feel like he's getting what he needs then suddenly there's this resolve, but he is hearing me. He is hearing me. Yes, I, was, I, 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 struggle with the, I struggle with the silence sometimes, but I know he's here. He's always been here because I know him. You have on, on your seat a, a, a blank card. I wanted to give you this because I, I wanted to give you a little time to write. Maybe you came with a pen, maybe not. You can... You can use your phone and write in your notes on your phone, however you want to do it. I, if you were to write a psalm, and most of us in here aren't poets, so we're not turning this in for a grade. If you were to try to write the feelings, the imagery that you have of your relationship with God, the, maybe even the need for the nurturing peace of God. What would that, what would those words be? What would that sound like? It's, you know, it's Mother's Day. Mother's Day, quite honestly, is, is, is one of, it's one of two semi-awkward days in the church. Mother's Day and Father's Day, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Maybe you've thought through this, maybe you haven't. When, we're, when Mother's Day and Father's Day are, are the theme of, of the morning, we realize that there is a, a huge spectrum of experience. So even in this room, there's a huge spectrum of experience with the word mom. Some of us are, we just, it's, it's just amazing. Mom is amazing, and, 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 if, and, and if we're mother, maybe motherhood has been amazing. Maybe there's hardly any trauma tied to it. But realize that the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you could really be on the polar opposite of this, where their mom was abusive or they lost their mom recently, or maybe all they wanted was to be a mom, and it just never happened. 
Or maybe they are a mom and, and the children have just gone crazy and motherhood right now is just pain. You can see it's one of those mornings that in this room, we have the gamut here, I'm sure. In the midst of all of that, maybe, maybe David's pain, his reality, his struggle might move from what we've heard in our ears and in our heads to maybe a heart level right now. And maybe just a simple reminder that there's this nurturing aspect with God that he longs to bring into our lives that maybe we're somewhere over here in, in, on, on the pain spectrum. Maybe it's connected to Mother's Day. Maybe it's totally separate. Regardless, there's this reality that he just wants to hold us and to heal us if we would allow him we would give him permission to do so I just want to give you some space with your index card maybe you just want to dialogue you, you want to pray Maybe you want to write. Mia's going to play. She's going to sing a song over us. A song that reflects the nurturing peace, who God is, like a mom, a mother singing to her child. I invite us to soak. Soak in this. Let's let, let's let the Spirit do what He wants to do in us.
Jesus, we allow you to hold us. Because no matter how strong we pretend we are, we need you. We need your strength. We need your healing. We need your love. So the truth about you is that your faithfulness has been constant. It it we have declared today it's it's just the truth about who you are. It's reality. And it's really not so much a statement of faith as it is a statement of fact. But we also acknowledge that there are times in life where we simply feel like we have been forsaken that you seem to be absent, that the answers aren't coming, that your timing seems to be off. And we're reminded the truth of your word, you will never leave us nor forsake. are ever present now maybe there is purpose in your silence maybe there's purpose in the unanswered prayer maybe there's purpose in the delay And maybe we'll know that purpose and maybe we never will know that purpose but regardless we rest in your nurturing arms basically saying 
you got this. You got me, and you got this. And I'm asking that on a, on a Mother's Day, 2019, that you will help us to find and experience this rest in you, in your faithfulness. That there will be some psalms that will come forth through our heads in our hearts, through our fingertips. Communicating our journey just as David was able to communicate his journey. And these psalms may simply be for us stored away in our Bibles or stored away in our journals or whatever, but that, that these psalms will be an ever-present reminder to us, a marker about your faithfulness, even in the midst of whatever, however difficult the trial might be, wherever we are on the spectrum today. Because there are psalms that reflect pure joy and celebration, and there are psalms that reflect struggle. And they're all true, and they're all accurate, and they're all they all come to us in our scriptures and they're food for us, for our souls, no matter where we are in our journey, what's happening in life. May we see them pour forth from us because of what you are doing in us. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. You stand, we want sing a song that we sang earlier today. It may have been new to you. It's just a let's celebrate out of what we've done today.
Choices, representing Choices today, and this is our annual thing we do, so just explain to us real quick what's happening. Yeah, so when you came in and you received a baby bottle, what we're asking is basically to support our local pregnancy center. We do free ultrasounds, free pregnancy centers, I mean free pregnancy tests, and um, STI testing, and our own Mackenzie Shenko, who is the children's director here also is involved with choices. She goes into the schools and just shares how to ha make healthy choices yeah. with all the young people from middle school and up. So we really thank you for thinking of us. Um, for me, 2019 is just a really special year. My oldest son, he'll be 38 in July, and his wife are expecting our first grandchild after right. miscarrying about 10 years ago. So it's very, very close to my heart this Mother's Day. So thank you. And if you haven't received one, if you'll grab one on the way out, we would really appreciate it. And then if you'll bring it back, Father's Day weekend is when we ask for them to be back. Yeah. So thanks so much. There's plenty of room to fill up with change, but they also... Accept checks inside of here as well, no and problem. Hundred dollar okay. bills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, we the choices ministry in our community is vital to who we are as a community, and they're saving lives. Okay, they're saving lives daily, and uh, so we fully support the ministry of choices. And I, I, I just hope that you'll find a way to grab one of these on your way out and bring them back Father's Day. Okay. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace and his power. Have an amazing week in his arms this week. Be blessed. You're dismissed.